Our text this morning has inspired many questions over the years. For example, how did Jesus get in with all the doors being locked? Was this room that they were in and hiding in the same as the one that they were in for the Last Supper? Did Thomas touch Jesus' hand and side, or did he just fall to his knees? And lastly, where was Thomas when Jesus appeared the first time? Now, some questions will need to remain for the moment unanswered. But speculation has been made as of late as to where Thomas was and why he was not with them. It is during these recent times that important scholars have brought new stuff to light as to the inquiry of where Thomas was. It is now believed that Thomas was not present the first time Jesus appeared a week earlier to the disciples because the disciples were under a self-imposed shelter-in-place order. And, as we who are also under this order now can logically make the guess that since only one person could leave to go out and get essentials, this clearly is the reason. And moving forward, no doubt commentaries will give an answer to this most elusive of questions. That Thomas, the disciple, was at Target buying supplies of toilet paper. Now what is not a question is why they were hiding behind locked doors in the first place. See, they were all afraid, they were all anxious, they were all hiding, and they all doubted. And I say all of them because we see that the women came and told them earlier in the gospel that they had seen Jesus risen. But the disciples thought it was nonsense. Now Peter and John, they took off running to see, but they didn't understand and they didn't believe. Yeah, all of them were hiding. All of them were anxious. At different points, all of them doubted and they were all certainly afraid. And I think it would be wrong to judge them and not to empathize with them. For who wouldn't be afraid? We're afraid when we're suddenly taken off guard and don't know what to do. We're afraid when our presuppositions and our assumptions no longer account for what we're up against. And we don't know what's going to happen next. We're afraid when reality, without warning, is shown to either be more or something other than we thought it was. And that emotion of fear leads to a physical response. In this case, hiding and clearly stress. That emotion of fear leads to anxiety and worry in our minds. And that emotion of fear leads to doubt. See, we too have been spending time with the emotion of fear lately, no? And it's here in that emotion that I think we are drawn to the text once more. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. We established this. He's at Target. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where they were and put my side hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. That is doubt. And a week later, the disciples in the house again, Thomas with them, doors still locked. They are still afraid. 
But Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, there are a lot of great sentences about Jesus. And this one seems kind of ordinary if you were just to look at it on its own. But here in this context, the how and when it happens makes this ordinary sentence life-giving. For when it says Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you, we learn that this Jesus has not changed. Three things still remain. Jesus still comes to them. Jesus still stands with them. And Jesus still brings them peace. Even when his friends are afraid, Jesus is still there. Even when they lock the doors and hide, Jesus still comes to them. Even when they doubt, he still brings peace. And the same goes for us. Though we can't all gather together, Jesus still comes to us. Even though we can't move about freely, Jesus still stands with us. And even though we may be afraid or unsure or even in despair, Jesus still brings us peace. He said to Thomas, put your finger and see my hands. Reach out, put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas responds with, my Lord and my God. Jesus meets us and is with us. Jesus isn't hard on Thomas for his doubt. Despite his skepticism, wasn't Thomas still being loyal? He doubted, but he was still there. Some people need to doubt before they can believe. Now, you may not be sure about what's going on right now. You may not be feeling confident. You are not alone in that. It's okay to doubt, and it's okay to be afraid. It's when doubt becomes stubbornness and refusal that doubt starts to harm our faith. It's when you turn away and you just give up that fear harms faith. But when you're afraid or when you are doubting, don't let that stop you there. Let doubt drive you to seek answers and deepen your faith as you search. And be confident that the Lord will meet you. When you're afraid, don't give up. Don't let your fear let you hide. Let your fear drive you to Jesus in prayer. Be confident that the Lord himself is with you. The Lord himself sees you, hears you, loves you. Now, he may not appear to you in physical form, but even now, even now, he is with you in the form of the Holy Spirit. You can talk to him. You can find his words in the pages of the Bible, words for you. That's why being a disciple of Jesus, being in his word and praying are not optional, but are mandatory, are necessary. For through the word and through the prayer and through sacrament, we receive alone what he can give. And what is that? It's peace. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. See, doubt and fear are never meant to be permanent conditions. They're that moment when the foot is lifted, lifted to take either a step forward or a step back. And it's in that moment, friends, where the voice of Jesus Christ himself stands with you and says, Peace be with you, and then takes you by the hand and says, Follow me. We take that step and we follow him. To follow him in faith 
not by sight. To look beyond what only our eyes can see and to believe and say, my Lord and my God. And that by believing, have life in his name. And when we believe in faith, when we believe in faith, our sight is opened to the life that we have. A life that sees the wonder around us. A sense of wonder that fills us with joy, hope, and eagerness. See, faith takes all of those things that make us afraid. The disorientation, the not knowing what is going to happen, the realization that there is far more here than what we had any idea of and replaces fear with wonder. That's what faith does. Faith says even when you're taken off guard, the Lord remains constant and stands with you. Faith says that even when we don't know what is going to happen, He remains in control. And faith says thanks be to God that there is far more going on around us than just what I and you can see. For in the wonder of the resurrection of Jesus, God reveals and introduces to you and to me something truly life-giving, truly wonderful and freeing. The ability to believe that I am not the center of the universe, that I am not the sum total of what matters, and that I don't know what is going to happen next. But living by faith and in wonder means we no longer are traveling around this world with just our expectations, but instead our eyes and our hearts have been opened to the work of the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus' resurrection is at the center of the Spirit's work of forming our lives, which I am convinced it is, And a sense of wonder is a big part of what we get to do now. To go around waiting to be surprised. Waiting to be astonished. To see God at work right here in Jesus, in you and in me. It's why we say Easter changes everything. Because we marvel and are filled with wonder at what has happened. We embrace the wonder of Jesus. Because of that wonder, we just approach life as as self-centered, self-improvement. We employ techniques, results, we set goals, assess the progress, reduce everything down to be what we can control and what we think it should be. And when we're not looking for the wonder of what is around us in Jesus, is it not surprising that we become restricted with anxiety and guilt and fear and hide? It's the garden all over again. We're in the midst of beauty and wonder. We only look at ourselves and then hide. That's why we have those feelings of life being boring, repetitive, lackluster, and we're just dragging ourselves through day after day, week after week. But I refuse to believe that Jesus Christ died and rose so that our lives could be monotonous and boring and safe. He died to set us free, to redeem us, to reclaim us so that we could live by faith and have our eyes and hearts open to the wonder around us. We are new creatures, made new in His image, placed and called right where we are to love and to serve in a world of wonders. 
And if you are seeking this newness, this life, then hear the words of Jesus again talking to the disciples in John chapter 4. See, the disciples bring him food to eat right then and now. The things that they could see and they miss the wonder of what he tells them. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. The disciples said, could someone else have brought him food? Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. To finish this work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest now. We know all about this food. All about this life. The time is now. The time is now to serve and to love. To look beyond what we can see. To let fear allow us to hide any longer. We instead will embrace life, the life that he has given us. A life not about us, but about him and about joyfully going with him on his mission. See, I don't think Thomas touched the hands of Jesus or even put his hand into his side because he didn't need to. What he needed to do was open up his own hands and get to what Dolly Parton would say, get to living. What if this next week, starting tomorrow, Each day we start by praying for our eyes to be open to the wonder that is around us. We would pray, Lord, be in us and work amongst us as we serve. What if we ask for opportunities to speak, opportunities to love, opportunities to be kind, opportunities to trust? What if tomorrow when you go on your walk, that as you are walking you are praying for your neighbor's and their homes, and their lives. Prayers of blessing. Prayers of peace. Being patient and kind to one another and those that we are quarantined with. Seeking opportunities for kindness. Inviting others to worship online with us. Learning to be content with what we have right now And trusting that God is going to take care of what happens tomorrow. Pooling the resources that we have and bringing them together to make a huge impact. This next week on social media, we're going to be launching a We Care Weekend. Opportunities to come alongside people who are hurting and in need. Opportunity to send our resources across the world to make sure that children who sleep in huts and have no family will be taken care of. Families who even in our own midst are struggling with paying bills and having food to feed their families. Children who are homeless, taken care of by the meager gifts that you and I bring together. What if we fill our posts and the things that we want to be about with the love of Jesus even now? So that in these times of trial and suffering, we unite and come together. We live as St. Peter bids us to. Live for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. Live beyond what we can see. We don't see him, yet we love him. We love him by loving those in need. 
We don't see him now, but we believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. We may be confined to our homes, but our love is not confined. For you and I are receiving the result of this new life in Jesus. Newness, a sense of wonder, to love, to love and be loved by our Father. Amen.